This is Susan D. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out. Today we are talking with Dr. Alan Softy. He's a world-renowned internist and gastroenterologist with encyclopedic knowledge of mind-body wellness and preventative medicine. Dr. Softy regularly posts on Telluride Inside and Out under the banner to your health. Dr. Softy is also this winter offering your series of lectures at the peak. He returns this summer with his Live Longer Retreats. The retreats are evidence-based scientific approach to health, longevity, and they feature an experienced staff of medical professionals, personal trainers, and more. So WebMD recently published an article titled, What Does Alcohol Do to Your Body? Bottom line, very little good, lots bad. And the damage begins in the first 30 seconds after you take your first sip. The piece talks about how alcohol interferes with brain function, slows your reflexes, and puts you off balance in general. What's more, all the talk about how wine is good for your heart may be bunk, according to the American Heart Association. And to Dr. Alan Softy, who, full disclosure, is now and always has been a teetotaler. Dr. Softy, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me. Well, thank you, Susan. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So first, just to establish a foundation, please describe the studies, the population demographics, and do those demographics mitigate any of the findings? In other words, if I don't fall into the study group, might these findings not apply to me? Um, good question. So there's a variety of studies. When we look at studies, uh, one of the best studies was a study of almost 600,000 people, 599,912 current drinkers, so it's quite a large number of drinkers. But in order to get that number of drinkers, we had to look at 83 prospective you know, previous studies uh, in order and then accumulate their results. So there's a variety of studies we'll look at when we're discussing data today, but it's in a very large number of people um, worldwide, not just in the United States, but worldwide. And we're looking at higher socioeconomic groups, lower socioeconomic groups, Will you fall into this? Almost everybody will fall into this. At some point, one of the things we often don't study very well is the person that has an occasional drink, you know, one small drink or splits a glass of wine once or twice a week. But most people will either fall into the non-drinker groups or minimal drinkers or more moderate or what we call heavy alcohol consumption groups. Okay, and we'll sort of define that shortly. Um, so, in fact, we'll define it now. Would you talk about what a drink of alcohol means medically? That's a great question because most people are shocked when we look at a lot of studies. Um, you know, we will say we don't have enough information often to differentiate between beer, wine, and liquor. So we will look at drinks, one drink per day being, let's just take a person who drinks one drink per day. It could be 3.4 fluid ounces of wine, much smaller than you would get in a restaurant, much smaller than what you would pour at home. So often people would pour a 7-ounce glass or a 6-ounce glass of wine, and they would be closer to two drinks per day, at least medically speaking. A can of beer of 3.5% alcohol is one drink. And then a shot of whiskey or other spirits, a small shot glass, one fluid ounce, not 1.5 fluid ounce, at 40% alcohol by volume, would be a 
one drink per day. So a lot of people might put in three ounces of spirits into their drink. In our opinion, when we look at this, studying the adverse and beneficial effects of alcohol, that would be three drinks. And if they have two of those, that would be six drinks that they were consuming in a day. So we define ours okay. by alcohol consumption. Okay. So to clarify, that a tiny little shot glass that people use to pour their scotch into, that is more than the medical definition of one drink. Often, yes. They'll fill it right to the rim, and very rarely do they stop at that point. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's surprising is we categorize a glass of wine being, at least in a lot of these studies, of being 100 milliliters, so, which is 3.4 fluid ounces for people in the United States. Which is equivalent to how many drinks medically? One drink. But most people will not have a 3.4 ounce or 100 milliliter glass of wine. Almost everybody will have, you know, at least four, five, six, or seven ounces. So often they're having what we would say medically is two drinks per day uh, when we're looking at those people. And the people that are using shot sure. glasses might be having a lot more. Okay, a typical drink that I, you would see on the table in a restaurant, a sh typical serve of wine. Is that one drink? No, that'd be closer to two drinks often. Okay, I think we've got. You would be upset time. if you got a three point. If you'd be very upset if you got three point four fluid ounces of wine at a restaurant. Okay, thank you for the clarification. Um, now let's look at what happens when you drink. What exactly is a hangover, and what in alcohol causes that cascade of things to happen? Well, it's it's quite a significant cascade of symptoms. Um, you know, a person with a hangover typically experiences a headache, feels sick to their stomach, will get dizzy. They may be sleepy. They may be confused. Uh, even though they're sleepy, they may have less REM sleep. Uh, they often will be thirsty. Um, the hangovers are caused by an overconsumption of alcohol. And headache may be one of the most predominant symptoms. Sensitivity to light, fatigue. Uh, the best way to avoid it is drink minimal amounts of alcohol. Um, is there an effective cure? No. Um, rest, rehydration, absolutely, and sleep. So when we discuss a little bit more of the symptoms, um, accelerated heart rate is not uncommon. People that have arrhythmias may be prone to irregular heartbeats, but an accelerated heartbeat, anxiety, the typical bloodshot eyes, they may get body and muscle aches. They may even get diarrhea or dizziness. Um, so it, it's a constellation of symptoms we see. If it's significant alcohol poisoning, their breathing may become irregular. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it loses its regular rhythm. They may get much more confused or stuporous than they normally would. And their body temperature can actually drop. Your blood vessels dilate. You lose a lot of heat through the skin, and they'll pass out, and they may even get a blue tinge to the uh, skin. So you ask what causes it, and, and there's a variety of causes. Um, first, the dehydration. Alcohol makes a person maybe urinate more than they typically would, um, and alcohol may suppress the sensation of thirst uh, and lightheadedness. It causes some irritation in the stomach. You'll get more uh, gastric acid secretion. You'll get more reflux. And it delays gastric emptying, so your stomach doesn't empty very well, so you may get nausea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. Some of the confusion may be your blood sugar drops. Um, 
So there's so many things, you know, including suppression of REM sleep. And then we have, as alcohol is metabolized, um, there's toxic byproducts of that. So not a very good thing to drink to the point that you're getting hangovers. Specifically, when it comes to driving, why is why why not drink and drive? Is it the effect on the brain? Yeah, it it has a significant effect on the brain. Um, long term, your brain may actually shrink. Um, in this, you're going to affect memory. You're going to affect judgment. Uh, you definitely affect reflex time. Uh, alcohol and not just driving, but bike riding, skiing and a variety of things do not mesh very well. Um, there's so many multifactorial reasons that you don't want to be driving and at the same time that you've been consuming alcohol. The drop in blood sugar that some of these people may have may make them shaky or moody or tired or weak. Um, there's even been seizures that we've seen from alcohol consumption. So, you know, the, the, even small amounts of alcohol will affect reflex times. Okay. Um, could you explain the relationship between alcohol and acid reflux, pancreatic, and liver disease, for example? Um, alcohol has so many potential adverse effects. So when you drink alcohol, um, there's, it relaxes what we call the lower esophageal sphincter, this area at the bottom of the esophagus. It should stay closed except when you're swallowing or eating and then it opens transiently and then closes again. Alcohol relaxes that, allows acid uh, to come up into the esophagus. Then it even is worse because it delays emptying of the food or uh, contents of your stomach. So you have a delayed emptying of the stomach and then you have a relaxed bottom of the esophagus. So that will predispose you to reflux, to nausea. And reflux is not a benign condition. Reflux can cause esophageal cancer there is an increase in esophageal cancer in people that drink significantly. So, you know, drinking alcohol can have a variety of adverse effects in the gastrointestinal tract, mm -hmm. including diarrhea, um, including reflux, including increase in acid secretion, irritation of the stomach lining also. So take this answer further and expand upon it and talk about alcohol's impact on other organs, on the heart. Um, and, and include wine in this discussion because although CNN has subsequently debunked this in their report, we, we've been taught for years that wine uh, in moderation was good for the heart. Yeah, and CNN had a, an excellent article, if people want to read this. Uh, do I agree with every aspect of it? No. Um, but basically they said no amount of alcohol is good for your overall health. And you know, zero tolerance in regards to alcohol. And basically, the studies show that the potential benefits are outweighed by the overall risk. Uh, what could be benefits, you know, of minimal alcohol consumption, uh, non-fatal heart attacks or ischemic disease, and with small amounts of alcohol, not larger amounts of alcohol, type 2 diabetes development. Then if we look at, you know, the other cardiovascular risk factors, so if we look at non-fatal strokes, much higher in people that drink. Fatal strokes, much higher in people drink. Hemorrhagic strokes, where we bleed into the brain with your stroke. Uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage, another bleed outside of the brain tissue itself. Um, the only ones when we look at myocardial infarctions were non-fatal 
you know, myocardial infarctions, but coronary artery disease, um, arrhythmias, abnormal, you know, heartbeats, hypertension, sudden cardiac death, aortic aneurysms, heart failure, all of those were markedly increased in the people consuming significant amounts of alcohol. And the more they drank, the greater the risk. What about cancer? Um, you know, there's, we've looked at a whole bunch of different things, it, it, you know, side effects and the burdens of, you know, alcohol consumption, and it's slightly different in men and women. So if we look at women, you know, there's a higher risk. It's a risk factor to breast cancer. Uh, it's a risk factor to colorectal cancer. There's the risk factors. Um, it's the same for men and women of the upper airway and digestive tract. So if you drink, you have a greater risk of cancer in your mouth, of your pharynx, larynx, the esophagus, which we talked about, your liver. You have a greater risk of liver carcinoma. We just mentioned in women, breast cancer is more predominant uh, in people that drink. Uh, alcohol can raise body levels of estrogen, and it's a hormone important in the growth and development of breast tissue, but the alcohol is converted into a toxic chemical called acetaldehyde. So people always wonder, why did alcohol, you know, cause these cancers? Well, this acetaldehyde has been shown to be capable of damaging your DNA and rendering worse, it renders the body incapable of repairing that damage. So we see increases, you know, in cancer for a variety of organs. I just mentioned a whole bunch of organs. But other potential side effects, you can ruin your liver. You can get cirrhosis. You can scar it to the point that it's irreparable. And if you're continuing to drink, there's no way we're going to put you on a liver transplant list. Um, you know, the arrhythmias that one can get. And that doesn't even include deaths from pancreatitis or alcohol use disorders or transportation injuries, which are much higher um, in those groups. Men don't have the risk, you know, a significant increase in breast cancer, although there's a slight increase in male breast cancers. Um, but more men actually die um, from alcohol use than women. But if we look at the number of people that have died of alcohol, it's huge. Um, globally, more than 2 billion people were current drinkers in 2016, but 63% of those were men. Okay, all this is, you should excuse the pun, very sobering information. So is the bottom line we should avoid alcohol altogether? And if, because I'm hearing the protests in the background, um, is there what you would define as a safe level of drinking? Um, is beer better than wine? Um, so if you take this into the realm of the practical and the way people live every day, I would say there are very few people listening who would want to avoid alcohol altogether, although that seems to be the wisest choice for longevity. Um, if that is not the choice of the people listening, could you give us a safe level of drinking? You know, at this point in time, um, when we do studies, we define people in the number of grams of alcohol that they take in. So the people that have minimal alcohol consumption, I really can't tell you about at this point. Minimal meaning they split a glass of wine with their significant other, spouse, or whoever that they're having dinner, or they have, they stick to a 3.4 fluid ounce, 100 milliliter glass of wine, one, two, three times per week. But for the most part, 
um, the global risks uh, outweigh the protective effects for type 2 diabetes and ischemic heart disease. Um, and we only see those at low-level alcohol consumption. We do not see those benefits at higher levels. Am I going to be a pure, even though I don't drink, as you mentioned, and I never have, um, you know, could there be some benefit to minimal alcohol consumption? Epidemiologically, yes, there could be for certain populations that eat an extremely healthy diet and have minimal alcohol consumption. But daily alcohol consumption, especially when you get up to, you know, greater than one drink per day for a woman or greater than two drinks per day for a man, absolutely have adverse side effects. If you had it occasionally, I don't think you're going to run in, and that's personal since I don't have data to back it up, I don't think you're going to run into any significant problems. But that's something we have to study is very low-level alcohol consumption. But so most of these studies do not, did not even look at that. So that was something in the CNN report I disagreed with where they said no amount of alcohol. Maybe somebody that drinks two drinks a week, it, is, it might have some overall health benefits. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure we could go on and on with this subject because the information is probably changing every day. But thanks for taking the time to at least go over the basics. This has been Susan DeGrasse really, talking with Dr. Oh, sorry, Alan. No, I really appreciate it. And, and you're right. This is going to change on a daily basis uh, as we get more and more research. Um, and I think people need to be cognizant of the side effects. And, you know, hopefully we'll have an update in a year. Uh, where we have more studies and we can rely on some more data to make intelligent decisions. Thank you. And so back to the official wrap-up. This has been Susan Debrock, Telluride Inside Now, speaking with Dr. Alan Sopti. The subject has been alcohol. The advice is none at all or moderation. Thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate you asking me to be on with you. My pleasure.